Okay, <clears throat> this morning, um, just going to be a brief and share some thoughts. This is, I, I believe this to be what God has. This is like the prelude, or the laying of a foundation, I think, for what God has to give to us tomorrow in his word. And this is a kind of a very sobering uh, preparation for that. So I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures here, and then we can see what God's thoughts are for us. Okay. So in Ezekiel, the third chapter, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that you find. Eat this roll. And the roll there, of course, was the very word of God that was given to him. Eat this roll and go speak unto the house of Israel. This is the Old Testament commentary and truth of the eternal mind of God towards Israel in the way that we have it. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and down through that chapter, where the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is giving a charge to a young pastor, Timothy, to preach the word, to be instant in season, out of season, to rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and with all of the authority of God's love. But here, again, he speaks to, to Ezekiel to eat this roll, to take it in, to consume it, and then go speak unto the house of Israel. And so he says, so I opened my mouth, I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll, of course. And he was caused with God's love, caused him to eat, the, to consume the scriptures, to take them in. And what this is bringing out this morning is in Job 23 and verse 12, it says there, the Holy Spirit says there to, to the individual, and the individual, Job, is expressing this. He, can, he esteemed the word, taking it in, more than his necessary food. Now, necessary food there has to do with all the details of the natural life. The natural life has all to do with that. And that's why it was said again in Deuteronomy 8, 3, and Matthew 4, 4, and Luke 4, 4, that man shall not live by bread alone, the details of life, <laughs> of which Christians can get so bogged down in the details of life, and they think that that has to do with their existence. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, where to take it? Now, <clears throat> Psalm 34 and verse 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, once you taste the Lord truly, once you taste him in a true and exact measure, in a real measure, nothing else will ever taste the same. For those that taste, it has to do with Psalm 34 and verse 2. The humble will hear, submit, take it in, consume it, and be one with it. And then be glad. The humble will hear, again, in Psalm 34 and verse 2, the humble will hear thereof and be glad. They'll take in the word. And so he says, I opened my mouth. And it was his love that caused him to consume that role, that word there. 
consumed it. He consumed it. He took it in. He became one with it. And this goes into not only knowledge and, and understanding, but it goes into meditation. And meditation is not so much knowing something new, but allowing what is known to be meditated on and to be taken in thoroughly in life. And then he said, then you're going to go. I want you to go to the house of Israel. Now, Psalm 81 and verse 10 says, open wide your mouth. This speaks of obedience, hunger, submission. You know, when we go to eat food, what do we do to consume the food, to bring it in? We have to open wide our mouth to be filled with what we take in. So Psalm 81 verse 10 <clears throat> says, open wide your mouth and I'll fill it. This speaks of the word. But this speaks of what I see and what I was so aware of yesterday. And just so aware of, of thousands and thousands of people. As I was just, uh, as I was sitting there, thousands and thousands of people. And what they were consuming. And again, this is not in any way accusation or condemnation or comparison in any way whatsoever. It is observing what people were taking in, what they were consuming, and what they believed to be light and proper experience. Well, open wide your mouth and I'll fill it. Psalm 8110 has to do with the word. This has to do with faith in Psalm 34 and verse 8. Then he said in Ezekiel 3, verse 3, and he said unto me, Son of man, cause your belly to eat. Notice what that says. Cause your belly to eat and fill your bowels. Take it in and fill your bowels with that role that I give you. Take it in with your mind and let that mind, that, that initiation of truth, go into proper emotions, because this is what this brings out. Proper emotions based upon taking in the word of God. And then it says, of, with this role that I give you, and this is always grace. God is a giving God, but he's a gracious God. In Exodus 34 and verse 6. But we see what the enemy has. And so when it says, take it in, and take it in, take this role, okay? Cause to eat, let it go in. Let it go in. And as you take it in, it will, it will have its way flowing in your emotions, and, and your emotions will be proper, the proper initiation of the word of God. Belly has to do with and bowels, and this has to do with taste. Now you see here where it says this, it says here bowels. I want us to hold that thought, and then we're gonna turn, and I'm just gonna read in Philippians, the third chapter. This is, this is Philippians chapter three. And this is what I was observing, and, and again, as I observe this, God is teaching me, he's counseling me, He's not judging me and what he's giving me and what I'm seeing around myself and thousands has nothing to do with condemnation and accusation. 
It just has to do with this as she's showing me, teaching me, and, and letting me see others. This is Philippians 3 and verse 17. It says this, brethren, be followers together of me. Now, this is Paul and the Holy Spirit speaking through him as a vessel. Remember, he said, follow me in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, as I follow Christ. You see this. You have Christ. So for the believer, there is Christ or the world system. There's no gray areas for the Christian in Christ. There is either Christ or that evil world system. 1 John 2.15, love not the world, its system. Neither the things that are in the world. Again, the things of the world may not be bad in themselves. But when they are used to replace Christ, whatever you replace or whatever I replace Christ with, I don't possess, that thing possesses me. This is 1 John 2. 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not flowing in them. These are the things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the world, in 1 John 2, 17, is on its way to a collision course in eternity to be dealt with. It's all going to pass away with all those lusts. But he that does allows the will of God through the word of God to flow in him, he that does the will of God will be, will endure forever, will have what is true reality, and will take that into eternity forever as a part of his intimate fellowship, very intimate fellowship in Revelations 2 and verse 17. Here it is again. Brethren, Philippians 3 and verse 17, before we get back to Ezekiel, the third chapter, and before we go to Joel, to the book of Joel. Brethren, be followers together of me. Now listen, and mark them, not in terms of judgment or accusation, but in terms of separation. Separation. We see sanctification and separation and the reality of it in John chapter 17 in those 26 verses. And what that goes into, the opportunity and time that we have to experience the eternal mind of God and what we have that's true eternity, true reality, is ours for all eternity. And it has to do with the glory of Jesus Christ right now that we have the opportunity to submit to and take in. And again, that goes into John 17, 1 through 26. And Mark them, in Philippians 3 and verse 17, which walk so as you have us, for an example. For an example, this goes into Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting at verse 1, being a prisoner of the Lord and not a prisoner of sin in John 8 and verse 34, prisoner under Satan in the world system. But no, a prisoner of the Lord. A very beautiful, uh, very beautifully put in Ephesians 3 and verse 1, where he's a prisoner, and then you see why he's a prisoner and what we are a prisoner of, and we see this very clearly in Ephesians, the third chapter, a prisoner. Now we're a prisoner in Ephesians 4.1, and a prisoner thinking the same thing with each believer, having one mind, one spirit, one God, one word all together, flowing all the way through to where it ends 
in Ephesians 4 and verse 32, that love that brings in forgiveness so that we can thereby be reconciled. And so again, follow them, uh, follow each other as we walk according to Jesus Christ. And then we mark and be separated unto those that are the true example here. Why? Why? Philippians 3 and verse 18, for many walks, many allow their lives to be governed. Multitudes yesterday, thousands of people, thousands, I believe thousands that were there. I, I do think the majority were unsaved. I do think there was a majority of believers there. I do. And again, this is not accusation or condemnation. It doesn't have a thing to do with that. This is gracious, loving observation from my own life and for multitudes. For many walk, allow their lives to be governed. Now, if Christians walk, then follow the steps of Jesus in 1 Peter 2 and verse 21. And he that says he abides in him, which, which means literally Christ is his, his true possession. This is Matthew Chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Your true possession is Christ in you, the treasure, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And unless Christ possesses you in me, then what we go to replace him with possesses us. Absolutely. Now, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. You see, this is the Holy Spirit. This is God through a vessel, you see. This isn't Paul separated from God. This is God in a, in a vessel, weeping. That they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Listen, the unsaved, whether they know it or not, whether it's ignorance and ignorance is ignorance, but when light comes and light brings in understanding, then when it's rejected, of course, that's pride. So it's either ignorance or, or rebellion and stubbornness in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 23. It can be also in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 to 3. It can be that we don't know like we ought to. But when the light comes in John chapter 12, verses 35 and verse 36, light comes and then we make a choice. We have a choice. The unsaved in terms of salvation have a choice. It's either light or darkness. The believer in Christ now, in the world, in John 17, verse 16, but like Jesus in John 17 and verse 14, not of the world, we have a choice to make. There's light and there's darkness. There's no gray area. You see this in John chapter 3, verses 17 to 21, brought out clearly. We even see it in, in creation. We can see it even in Genesis chapter 1 and verses 1 through 31. Okay? And God separated said, light be, and he, because the earth was in a chaotic, unorder, unorderly fashion at that particular time due to the angelic conflict. And then he said, light be, preparing it for Adam, preparing the, the, uh, the earth for Adam in, in Eden. And then he said, he separated the light from the darkness. There's a constant separation going on here in the scriptures. So for many Walk in Philippians 3.18, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. 
an unsaved person can be that way ignorantly. A Christian can function like that experientially through not having areas in their life dealt with, areas where there's pride, resistance, rebellion, stubbornness, can be the enemies of the cross of Christ. Listen, whose end is destruction. Now, of course, for us, that's uh, the enemy in John 10, 10a, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, in terms of the unsaved, that's true. That's true. Have an eternity of destruction. Because remember, the Bible never teaches annihilationism. Never. Never. Death never means extinction. It, is all, it always speaks of separation. In any language, thanatos, T-H-A-N-A-T-O-S. It's thanatos. It literally means separation. And so many are separated. The Christian can function in this world, under the world system and not in Christ, being possessed by things that the enemy will use to cause that you steal, kill, and destroy them possessing, Christ possessing them and his love for them in intimacy. Whose end is destruction? Whose God is their belly? Metonym, their emotions, feelings. You see, I want to feel good. I don't want to obey. I want a good feeling. I feel like in areas where we don't obey, we have to replace it with a false feeling. So you use that to escape the reality of the light of obedience in the word. And we know that in James 4 and verse 17, to him that knows to do good, allow the good to be in him, and does it not, submits not to it, to him, obviously it is sin. And in Psalm 51 and verse 4, sin is evil. Pride is evil. Pride is evil. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. They have a form of godliness in 2 Timothy 3, 5. But deny the power thereof. The Bible makes it clear, from such turn away. You turn away from them. You mark them and avoid them. Romans 16 and verse 17. Whose God is their belly, listen to this, whose glory they think is glory. They think all these other things is glory. The world system, remember, Cain went out as the first human murderer under Satan, who is the murderer from the beginning in John 8 and verse 44. He went out in Genesis 4 and verse 16 from the presence of God. And the enemy used him to build a whole system, a world system where there's religion, where there's arts, where's all these things, religion, but no crucified Savior, no bloody cross, none of that, no Christ, no. And you watch the entertainment and the arts that we use to replace Christ and those things that they submitted to, and anything that we submit to as believers outside of Christ, possesses us experientially. We don't possess them. They possess us. Who, whose glory is their shame, that's what, see, the enemy wants the unsaved to ultimately experience the eternity of hell and, and the lake of fire with shame. 
and for the Christian to replace the love of Christ, to replace it with experiential shame. Terrible. Look at, it says, who mind earthly things, the job, the finances. What am I going to do today? How am I going to do this? All this occupation. All this occupation, oh gosh, without the mind of Christ, those things possess us. Without submitting to him and doing them, him doing them with us and us doing them with him as our proper head in Colossians 1.18, not denying the head in Colossians 2 and verse 19. So here, who mind earthly things, read and we can see it. What are earthly things here? And this is where we see in James, the third chapter. James, James, the third chapter here, in verse 13, it says, who is a wise man? Who is a wise man? Who has the wisdom that Christ is in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24 that will separate us from living on earthly things? Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conscience, you see, not a defiled conscience. You see, we have a good conscience based upon Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, a cleansed conscience based upon Hebrews 9 and verse 14 and based upon Hebrews 9 and verse 12. We have a cleansed conscience. Christ has accomplished this, and that's ours positionally. But can I have a defiled conscience experientially in Titus 1 and verse 16? But absolutely. Now here it says this: ha having out of a good out of a good conversation, I should say, and a good lifestyle based upon a healthy conscience, a clean conscience, his works with meekness of wisdom. You see. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Now listen, this wisdom descends not from above. The Christian's heavenly position while they're still on the earth. Not from above, but as earthy, as earthly. This is where that's what it is, you see. Who mind in Philippians 3 and verse 19, who mind earthly things. That's their whole life. Their whole thought life. The Christian living just like the world, unsaved world. And here it is. But it, 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 who mind, who have this wisdom descends not from above, but is earthy, earthly. When it says sensual here, it means natural. The Christian going back to the natural mind in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, the natural man receives not the things of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned, you see. So he begins to think that it's foolish, really. And foolishness now becomes the teacher in Proverbs 18, 1 and 2, which we know is the enemy in the world system, possessing the, the experience of the Christian. It is natural and demonic. You see that? That's what it says. You mind earthly things? What is it? It's natural and demonic. That's what the word says here. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. 
But the wisdom that is, is from above is first pure. We know this is Jesus Christ. Can anyone receive anything except it come from heaven in John 3 and verse 27? And that's why in John 3 and verse 30, he must increase in our experience. But we must decrease in terms of the world and earthly and natural things that's in the flesh, that's in us that we're not of in Romans 8 and verse 9. The wisdom that, that is from above is first pure. Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, if there be any virtue, and there is. If there be any praise, um, and there is, there is. Let that be our conversation in, in, in Ephesians 4, and verse 29. And, and not corrupt communication proceeding out of our mouth, but that which is good to be used of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Is first pure, then peaceable gentle and easy easy because we have a yoke that's easy in matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30 easy to be entreated we're easy to be entreated when we come to hear the word of god if christ has possessed us before we get there we'll easily receive it but if not and something else possesses us we will resist even that word that comes and we can do it with a smile too to be entreated, easy to be entreated, full of mercy. But Christ is our merciful, great and high priest in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Good fruits, the fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. In Hosea 14, verse 8, the fruit is from me. Without partiality, without any respect, comparisons, and without hypocrisy, any pretending and love. Romans 12, 9, let love be without dissimulation. Let it be without hypocrisy. Let it be without role-playing and pretending. Pretending that we love God while we live in disobedience instead of allowing that love to come in and take precedence over us. And verse 18, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So here in Philippians 3, again, it says it here, whose end in 3.19, in Philippians 3.19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. They worship their fear, their lust patterns, their emotions. They worship them in the place of God. Whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation, which is really our citizenship, meaning our conversation reveals our true character, or it doesn't. We need to be so careful what, listen, and then I can't state this enough. I, I cannot state it enough as God brings it to me. Be careful what you hear. Mark 4, verse 24. That has to do with even what we term Christian music. Be careful what you hear. Again, it's not just the lyrics. It is also the beat. Can't stress it enough. Then Luke 8, 18, be careful how you hear. And in James 1 and verse 19, be more ready to hear the right things in the right way. There's a right way to hear the right thing. There's a wrong way to even hear what we think of the right way. And this has to do with the subtlety, with the enemy being very subtle with music, by the way. For our citizenship in Philippians 3, 20 is in heaven. 
from where also we look for the Savior, where our view is not horizontal, the details of life. We are looking for the Savior. That's our proper view. We're not on this earth. The details don't consume us. Oh, they do. No. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings a deliverance and salvation has appeared unto us, teaching us to deny anything that's not like God in us, in our experience. To deny ungodliness and follow it through. Titus 2.11, 12, 13, and 14, looking for him in 2.13 of Titus and seeing the results in verse 14. In us. Our citizenship is in heaven, from where also we look for the Savior. He's the Lord, the true master. We don't make him master. He is master. We submit to his mastery. He makes himself master, by the way. No works from man can ever do that. He can do away with the foolishness of lordship, so-called salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the work and whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself, and they will ultimately be that way. This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, and Isaiah 45 and verse 23. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess things in heaven, things on the earth, and things under the earth and hell and ultimately in the lake of fire will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God Almighty. Now, back to here, Ezekiel, the third chapter. Moreover, in verse 1, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that you find. Eat this roll and go speak unto the house of Israel. And so I opened my mouth absolute obedience. And when I did, he caused me in his love to eat, consume that role. And then he said unto me, son of man, cause your belly to eat. Just the word, consume Christ, the word. Not the lust patterns. Again, in Philippians 3 and verse 18. Cause your belly to eat, <coughs> excuse me, and fill your bowels with this role that I will give you so graciously. Then I responded to that grace and humility, and I did eat, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness, true sweetness, that that satisfies. You see, lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the mind, and, uh, and the pride of life, and we see this in, in Genesis 3 and verse 6, and 1 John 2 and verse, verse 16, lust is insatiable, it never satisfies. It possesses us when it's not Christ, and keeps us in bondage. In John 8 and verse 34. We see it here. There was sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go, get you unto the house of Israel, and speak with my words unto them. For you are not sent to a people of a strange speech, they know better, and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of a strange speech and a hard language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely, certainly have I sent you to them, and they would have hearkened unto you. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto me. The unsaved cannot hearken unto him. 
And the Christian that's taught will not hearken unto him when something else possesses him or us. Will not hearken unto me, for all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Pride, stubbornness, the stubborn of a solid will, who accuses God of being hard in Luke 19 and 21, when the will is hot is that that is hardened. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces. This is what he was telling Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And there, and your forehead with the word in the frontal lobe coming out, your forehead, strong against the forehead where pride is emanated from and the word of God approaching it and, and causing them to face it. And as an adamant, harder than flint, have I made your forehead. Fear them not. Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. Jeremiah 1.8. Preach the word. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. Be instant, in season, out of season. Rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Listen, it doesn't matter. If God has told us to preach, you're to preach the word. Whether they receive it or not, you preach it. You teach it. Of course, the one that does the preaching and teaching must first receive it, must first be humble and receive it. Give himself to prayer as a proper ministry of the word in Acts 6 and verse 4. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks. Oh boy, preaching the word and the look. In Isaiah 3 and verse 8, their countenance testifies against the word that comes to them. Though they be a rebellious house. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I will speak unto you, receive in your heart. Store it up. For where your treasure is in Matthew 6, 21, there will your heart be also. Do you, you and I as believers in Christ, we have the treasure that Christ is in these fragile gray clay jars, but when we don't submit to the treasure that's in us, we can only, we're open as fragile clay jars to the atmosphere, to the things. And the enemy will use the things of this world. And they can be more dangerous, especially to the young and especially to the old that are still haven't been taught and function like young people. Function that way. Can be caught up in those things. And they will be and I will be. All my words that I will speak unto you receive and only through grace and humility in your heart and hear with your ears submit and go get you to them of the captivity. Thousands, thousands yesterday. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Had to be four or five thousand people, thousands. Get you to them of the captivity unto the children of your people and speak unto them and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, rebel. Then the spirit took me up and I heard behind me a voice of great rushing saying, blessed be the glory of the Lord from this place. I heard also the noise of the wings of the living 
creatures, these are the angels, these are the cherubim, that touch one another and the noise of the wheels that speaks of the government and how God operates here. You'll see this in in Ezekiel, the first chapter, and Ezekiel, the 10th chapter, by the way, to get a full understanding of it. Over against them and the noise of a great rushing. So the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness. Not against the word, but just seeing, feeling what people were involved with in the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord, his grace was so upon me. Hand of the Lord. What is the hand of the Lord? First Peter 5, 6, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you above all this. He will exalt you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. Then you can cast all your burdens upon him. If you have an enemy, 1 Peter 5, 8, who walks about and wants to slaughter you as a Christian, just like he slaughters the world system thousands and thousands. His hand was hard upon me. Now here it is. Then I came to them of the captivity. <laughs> Multitudes, captives, thousands. At Tel Aviv, that dwelt by the river Hibar, I sat where they sat. That's what was going on with me and personally yesterday. Among thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I sat where they sat. And I remained there astonished among them seven days, getting a completion. Seven is the number of completion. And just seeing completely thousands and thousands. And then as we close this morning, and again, I do believe this will be a prelude if God has it that way uh, tomorrow for the preaching of the word. And then we see this here in Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3. This is how I felt with Ezekiel 3 and verse 15, sitting where they sat. You know, I said this before I left, and honestly, it's not that we can't enjoy things, but what can we enjoy here in this world system apart from Christ? There's no proper enjoyment. Literally, I said before I left, I would rather be with the body of Christ more than any other people. It's true. It was true then. It was true when I was there yesterday. And again, this is not condemnation or or accusation. This is just the beauty of God's love. It was the same then, and it was the same when I got back home. And this is, I saw this with, with Ezekiel 3 and verse 15, and I see it here in Joel 3 and verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Multitudes. Unsaved, multitudes. And I do believe there are a lot of believers there, Joe. I just just believe so. Again, God teaching. What are your choices? What are your choices? Multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near and coming in terms of judgment in the valley of decision. The valley of decision. Notice 
the valley of decision, the opportunity of time, yo, that the unsaved have, the opportunity for time that the believer has with the light of the scriptures to give them precedence over everything. Father, we just love you, and we thank you for your precious word this morning. And thank you that we have everything, because Christ is everything. We just thank you and praise you that we have him, that he is our true treasure, and that you separate us from anything because of your love and your grace and your mercy. You separate us from anything, anything at all that's not of you. That's not of you. Our first choice is Jesus Christ. Our first choice is the body of Jesus Christ. There's absolutely no question about it. And God will even allow us to go to places to continue to teach us and to give us a view, to give us a vision. And I had a vision. There were multitudes in that valley. There were multitudes there. Multitudes. And Father, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, your unconditional love. In Jesus' name, amen.